Um, here's the thing. I got to warn y'all. My power went out twice within the last 20 minutes. And we're getting, like, brutal wind. Like, I don't know what the weather's like out there. It's the same. Like, yeah. Like, I'm hooked up okay. to a so, laptop. So, like, if something happens on our end, we shouldn't lose our connection because we'll have battery. But, like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's it's nasty out there. So, Dude, I'm on a laptop, too, that uh, I know. God, I haven't talked to you guys in a minute. But I've recently pivoted into doing, like, contract work for, like, video editing. Oh, really? And it it just came up now that the power's gone out twice that I'm like, wait a minute. This laptop that can actually run, like, Premiere, yeah. um, it, it doesn't have a battery. Like, it what? dies immediately. And I'm like, this might be a huge problem yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving into blackout weather. Yeah. Yeah. So if if I lose power, I'm going to cut out of here immediately. Okay. But it's been coming back. Just a warning, Randy. Okay. And yeah, in no case. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oksana, are you good? Hi, guys. Hey. Yeah, she's here. She's not on camera, but she just got in the room. Cool. Good. This is so well. Good to okay. hear. Okay. Well, shit. <laughs> yeah, I miss you guys. You're going to come out to UF, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We always do. Okay, good. Because you, yeah. um, the Dreams for Dead Cats booth has definitely become a staple. Like, it's something that I look forward to. Look, in my little skull area, hey. I definitely got I definitely got the one I got from y'all. Oh, hello. Nice. <laughs> um, I'm telling you, weirdest compliment I've ever given somebody was, you make unique skulls. Thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, I remember there was, like, that one year that, like, um... We, we almost weren't a part of it, because, like, we just didn't... If we were... I think like an email got lost or something and and because we just didn't we don't assume that we're going to be there every year it, we, you know we're like introverts so if anything we're more like I hope we're not burning people out being there like every year. <laughs> you know like the yeah like the hobbits in the corner with their skulls it's just like I could see people who go to your festival like year after year being like oh these guys again <laughs> yeah. no way well, everybody that goes to the fest is also an introvert Remember that the That's found true. footage community is strange. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're all dying for the attention and you yeah. guys like my, my biggest complaint about y'all showing up is that I don't think people appreciate the type of film you make. You two are so creative and that I know you both shake your head. And here's the other thing. Y'all are humble too, <laughs> but fucking your new movie I'm so happy that I have friends I can like genuinely root for. Oh, well, if, yeah. like I know that, that probably came out mean to people that I don't say that to, but well, uh, Randy, you know, this is a thing me and Randy would always talk about. Like, it's like when your buddies start a band and you're like, man, they're terrible. Yeah. I hope I don't have to go all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Right? Yeah. But you, yeah, I am um, as a, as a big fan of Elliot, where if people remember how long ago was that Oksana? That they came on to talk about Elliot years. I don't remember years ago. Um, yeah, twenty. Man, I think not only did y'all improve, but I was bummed it wasn't a feature. Oh, <laughs> I, was yeah. like, I was like, oh. I know. Yeah, that that makes three of us. Because I mean, like, um, that was always the initial goal. I mean, the crazy thing about yeah. this uh, movie um, is that the I Cassandra had the idea for it as we were working on. Uh, Elliot like it started in like 2014 
And um, originally it was going to be this feature that she was going to collaborate with these people in the UK on, but it Mm -hmm. turned out that, you know, those guys just wanted to wank off in a circle about their film knowledge. They were, they weren't serious. Yeah. It was like a year of that, a year of trying to be like, yeah, this is really cool. We should, it was about like a sea siren and everyone was going to write a different segment about this siren throughout time. And I picked the eighties and someone else picked like the 1920s or something. And, um, it just kept going and going and no one taking it seriously, but me to, yeah. to get the money for it. And I just left the project at one point saying, I'm taking my script and I'm <laughs> going to do something else with it. Yeah. It was called blue noon at that point. And, um, so after that kind of fell through then, and once Elliot was done, we were like, all right, so let's really shoot for the stars on this. And we were, we were trying to raise the money to go shoot it over in the UK. And um, which now I realize that's just, you know, probably not the best idea. And like, you are nobody, you know? Yeah. And you also need to, (laughs) you got to have some serious money, you know? I mean, Return of the Neckin, I think at the end of the day, costs something like what, $12,000? Yeah, to be able to rent the space. It was mostly space rentals and like, and then materials, like, and we were actually finally able to pay our actors which we didn't, we, we weren't able to do with Elliot. So for me, like, even if we never make anything else, like I've always been like, God, I I just want one day to be able to pay the fucking people who help us. And so we finally were able to do that. And so that's like the biggest thing for me that I'm really happy about. But anyways, long story short, um, all the Kickstarters and everything that we did to try to raise money to make Return of the Neckin a feature called Tearful Surrender um they just didn't pan out and um we just couldn't find the funding that we needed you know to do a feature length justice um and so we were just like well we still need to make this movie though so it's like all right well then let's make it a short and essentially what we're doing with this short is we are going to use it as a proof of concept you know to raise money hopefully to make it a feature but if it never gets to that point then at least we've made something that we feel represents the story that we were trying to make as long as 10 years ago. So, so yeah. yeah. Well, um, it was kind of a double-edged sword that I tossed you there when I said, I wish it was a feature because normally when people do a proof of concept, we just get like a kind of breezy version of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I kind I like what y'all created. Where I feel like in my mind, as an adult who still plays a lot of tabletop games, and I like yeah. to think about like the ecology of monsters. Yeah. Y'all made a short film that is very contained and is just kind of like like if you're gonna do a Discovery Channel on a monster. Like I know that's probably not the way this will ever be talked about again, but you just get to see what it's about. Period. There's no like human character who I'm supposed to care for, even though I showed up to watch the monster. And Uh I'm also glad you didn't get to film in the UK because I think y'all have created your best work here. Oh, this shit looks so good. Well, thank you. dude. Like I couldn't tell. And this is a compliment. I couldn't tell if you had completely fabricated all of the foliage in your short, or if that was like actual, like, I, I I don't know. How did you do that? 
Okay. So like, um, I'll tell you a few things and like, yeah, like it wasn't, yeah. Saying it's like a, it's, it's, it's a short film first. Absolutely. But it's also just like, you know, if, like I said, if we try to raise money to, to make it a feature, it's just like, well, look what we did. And it's, it's, but it, it was absolutely our intent to be like, no, this is the movie. And so um, I'm really glad that we chose to build all the sets and have everything constructed, everything from like, the moon and the like the sun mm. is like seriously just a nightlight <laughs> green screened and then uh you know edited to look a certain way like everything is constructed all the plants were fake plants like, or just constructed plastic. like um, yeah they were either like things that we bought or because that's actually really funny because originally too what we were going to do is we were going to film the cave portion of the movie at Space 124, which is the studio and the mission we ended up, you know, spending most of our money on <laughs> to be there. And um, then we were like, OK, we're going to shoot all the out- outdoor stuff up in Humble. And um, long story short, you know, um, no one who we were talking to really had. a. I mean, we had some very generous people who were going to be like, yeah, just come and shoot up on our property or whatever. But the first guy just completely didn't get it and was, you know, pretty strange. And that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> and the second person uh, just was very sweet, but just really did not understand like the logistics of movie making. They were because we we're going to have to film at night and they were just like, Oh yeah, just let my parents know. I'm like, no, I'm saying like two in the morning. Like, I can't just be knocking on your parents' door, being like, "Hey, we need a generator and stuff like that." And the other thing too oh, is like, shit. filming yeah. outdoors at night when you haven't done it before is a is a beast because the light gets thrown in an entirely different way. There's a lot more space for that light to get lost in. And even in like a room that's been blacked out, it's still that light's still reflecting off those walls. So when you're filming, there's a reason why when you see behind the scenes stuff for like big budget movies that, and you see it at night, it's like they have fucking tons of lights and you wouldn't know it watching the movie, but it takes so much light at night just to see things. And when you're like a low budget filmmaker and you don't have the money for those lights and whatever, it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm glad that this all kind of like because we just got frustrated with things not working out and then we're like fuck it we're just gonna build our own forest which was so much fun it was a lot of fun i don't (laughs) uh, i don't necessarily recommend doing it during a pandemic where like because everything everything you see in the movie was built by three people it was built by cassandra and i and our longtime collaborator uh anthony russell and um if i wasn't if we weren't at our day jobs, we were just there building shit. And I mean, I think I almost passed out a couple times. It was just hard work. Just a lot of fun. Lots of fun. Cannot stress how much fun it was to build a forest. <laughs> but you're like... It's expensive. You know, a lot of wood. Like, I'm, I'm not a fucking handyman, okay? <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm literally like building these trees out of two by fours and shit, just making it up. Like looking at some loose tutorial of just like, Hey, this is like what this uh, elementary school guy did for um, the wizard of Oz. <laughs> at their, yeah. And so you are just sort of like, okay, so, so you just buy a lot of wood and you make these trees. And, you know, there was like some invaluable stuff that we read about where it was just like 
so each tree i'll ex- I'll, I'll explain how you, there because there was about 25 trees that we made yeah. and so you would start with um you would make like a an x sort of pattern on the on the bottom and then on one of those um sort of um the why why is the word escaping me it's like a it's the the main structure of it whatever the base mm-hmm. that's the word um so <laughs> all right um so you would you would do like one you know six foot long or possibly eight foot long two by four off of that sometimes it was more like a two by six and then you would just uh screw basically you're like which direction do i want the tree to go and you you kind of work you know thickest then you'd use smaller pieces of wood until you built up the a loose armature of a tree and then what you would do is you would take we bought all this butcher paper well concrete tubes well yeah a lot well that was for some of them yeah we use like those concrete (laughs) tubes and we just use like a jigsaw to like cut out you know like where a branch would be coming out or whatever and um and wow i i had so much fun with that jigsaw that thing was so great but like anyways um so you use this butcher paper and you just wrap it around the tree and you crinkle the shit out of it first like you what you do is you'd roll out long 20 foot long pieces of butcher paper and just stomp on it and crinkle it and crush it you know in your hands and then it was like, like jumping in leaves when you're a kid when your parents made you rake the leaves and then you jump in the pile and it was like what, <laughs> what gross is in here but we did that with the paper and it, it was really exciting <laughs> yeah and so and then you wind that around the tree so it looks really gnarly and knobby and what was really kind of nice about it was like then you would add a little bit of latex but you didn't have to add much because what you would do is you would just anchor it uh, with screws and things, and it actually held itself together pretty well, just being wrapped around. And then that's when you would paint it, and then boom, you just got to do that like twenty times. But we had this one main tree where we essentially had to combine four trees to do that. And Anthony had the ingenious idea to put wheels on the bottom, like he put casters underneath. Oh yeah, we could just push it around. But it was so heavy, and that was like... And so much detail went into the main tree. So where, like, Bernard is sitting at the fire and being all emo. Um, like, there are skulls embedded in that tree, and no one will ever yeah. see that, but I knew they were there, and, like, everyone... You know, like, it made it special being well, you on can, the set. If you look no hard enough... No one will ever see it. If you look hard enough in a lot of the scenes, you'll see little skulls, just, like, as parts of the trees and things. But, um... Yeah, I thought I did. Yeah, you, we you projected did. it down here, and I, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not lying. I thought I saw skulls in there. I actually thought I was projecting on your movie, though. No, nope. like yeah, I, I wanted to see the skull work. Yeah, <laughs> they're in there. So, so here, let me tell you right now, then, that all of that attention and love and effort comes through completely. Like Thank every you. every part of your world that you created feels touched by you, which. Yeah. You know, it's it's fucking 2024. That's just not a thing you get anymore. Yeah. And well, um, dude, it's great. I, I loved it. It kept reminding me of the Dark Crystal and how they kept talking about how they were gonna bring the show in. And they kept warning people, we're not gonna design the set though. Like it's gonna be CG. Yeah. And I was at a Comic Con where they announced that, and it was like what um Tim Henson's uh Jim Henson's son was there. 
Yeah. And they had they were showing the labyrinth, and it was this big thing. And they're like, "We're going to bring it back on Netflix. They're going to give us an opportunity, but we're not building the sets. It's the only thing." And everybody kept asking, "Why?" Yeah, like build it. Yeah, they're like build the fuck. And they're like, "We just don't have the money." And I, you know, I just that you don't have the money watching your movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do. and I'm like, nobody can say shit because I know it. I thought it was just you two putting it all together. I mean, Dude, it's so fucking good. Well, thank you. Um, that's very sweet of yeah. you. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, the thing about it is just like, you know, I, I, you know, you can't control if people are going to like it or not like it, but honestly, that's not even the point. It's really like, um, I know that we don't make normal movies and i don't think <laughs> thank that, you well Good. i don't think that we ever will because like i don't think we're ever i'm not saying this to be pessimistic i'm saying this to be very much realistic about you know i don't expect us to get like lots of money for anything we do but the thing about it is it's just like you know this is our passion and this is and it means a lot to us and um what with the way that everything is in the world and even though like with art being democratized and whatever, it's never been easier to make a movie. Like it's also never mm -hmm. been harder to get funding at, uh, for original stuff because like, and I mean, I see it and, and I don't blame people for being like, well, let's make a slasher so that we can get money. You know, let's hope it does yeah. well. You know, I, I do get that, but that's just not us. I can't, I can't make anything to try to, make as a career move it's just like no this has to be like it you you only get one shot at doing this so it's like what are you gonna do are you gonna make something in hopes that you get to make the thing you want to make someday or are you just gonna like put yourself out there and be like fuck it if you can't hang add, but this is us you know i mean take it or leave it and um i just don't i i i can't not do we can't not be ourselves is the thing. And, and it's a blessing and a curse because like, you know, it's just, it's hard for, to find funding for stuff that isn't working within a trend or something like that. Well, you know, yeah. we don't make films or any of our artworks to be, we're not making them to get to the next point. Like, sure. I'd love it. If like someone saw it and was like, wow, I really want to give these people a million dollars to actually <laughs> do something with a big budget. It's not like that. I wouldn't find that it amazing and yeah, wouldn't take the it money. It doesn't work that way. But it's but like, like, that's yeah. not no. why I'm making things. And even though this is the most straightforward thing I feel like we've ever made, I feel like it's still going to get re reject after reject from film festivals because it's not going to be what horror festivals are necessarily looking for because it's not necessarily as gory as they're anticipating it because there's a monster. Like, it's, it's still like an ex existential film exploring immortality and the pains of being a creature you know like that's what i've always thought about and it's funny because people will be like oh it inspired this movie on like death becomes her because like, i saw that movie when i was a kid and i was totally obsessed with this idea of rotting and thinking that you're going to be beautiful forever and enjoy like just being this sexy person throughout time and that's not at all what happens <laughs> to the women in that film. And so I remember having a conversation with my parents about, um, well, if you could choose to be immortal, like a vampire or, you know, like the people in the movie, would you do it? And I was like, no, that seems really sad. And I've always felt that way. You just constantly 
either fall in love over and over and have those people die or become friends with people and they would die. And this was a very innocent way of looking at it, like 10 years old or whatever I was when that movie came out. Um, but I've just always been really obsessed with mortality versus immortality and, and choosing like what makes you, you thrive in life. Like what, what's desire, what's pain um, as either a mortal or an immortal creature or person. Um, but anyways, I feel like a lot of people are going to either get the, like watch this movie and be able to lose themselves in it and like watching <laughs> this creature have just kind of this moment on like earth and time or they're not going to get it at all and be like, that was so crappy. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm ready for that. But it's also, um, don't know where I'm going with uh, talking about this. But my point is, like, I've just wanted to get this theme out. And I feel like I'm going to constantly remake the same type of film over and over, just exploring the pain of, like, being a human and death and sexuality and sensuality and all these things that birth and death, and they all end up kind of, like, being the same thing and really important i feel like to to talk about and to explore characters that are full of pain and yeah you know yeah does that make sense yeah <laughs> totally no i i totally get it and i god i i've had to take notes through this because there's so many things i want to bring up one it's funny just to, like to bring it all the way back it's funny hearing you talk about like you know how people make a proof of concept to try and get funding and then how you're not really doing that. And, you know, in the modern era, you don't really fit in anywhere. And I think that would have been true were it not like now. And I think in 2024, we're up against cable 2.0. Streaming is just cable again. Everything has commercials. Yeah. And we're up against like a easy entry point for to make film. But the problem is everything is fucking homogenized and it's all kind of boring and it's all the same shit. So I think in the era we're in, you actually will stand out even better. And for all the things you were just talking about, like, you know, it's maybe not the horror film people want, or maybe people won't even understand the underlying themes here. And my answer would be none of that shit matters as much as like me and y'all like to talk about it. Because the thing that nobody can deny is just the general aesthetic of your film. It looks different. It doesn't look like anything else on any other platform. And like, even since Elliot, I think the only thing I could ever connect it to is like Tetsuo Iron Man. Sure. And that hasn't changed. Like, I really think y'all have an aesthetic and that kind of that DIY, like DIY almost comes with a um, unintentional, like amateur intent, yeah. which you don't have though. Cause your shit looks polished. It just looks handcrafted. Oh, well, that's Which good. <laughs> is why, you know, I opened up an interview talking about the foliage. I've never done that before, but the trees, <laughs> they demanded attention like everything else. Like when I think of Dreams for Dead Cats, I think of the color spectrum you guys use. You yeah. really dialed in on that here. And I think you've nailed the lighting. Um, I love I love the subject matter. I like that this wasn't an epic story about a creature ending the world that heroes had to come thwart, at least like the narrative you chose. And I, I don't know. I think you guys are going to have the reverse problem because you mentioned slasher films being kind of a, a money grab, well, right? I, and maybe not your words, but I would say they are. I, and I, I don't want to single them out, you know, or whatever, but, but, but that's, yeah. yeah. But anyways, yeah. No, fuck it. Do it because slasher <laughs> slashers are a genre that came out of the eighties. Right. And I'm, I mean, dude, I love slasher movies, but I'm also, I also love thrash metal. 
And the problem that they both have is they have tight parameters and you can't really explore much. Like once you enter into that subgenre, it's like you either do it by the book or people don't give a fuck and you're doing it wrong or it gets yeah. rejected. Yeah. And only recently have we had a Terrifier 2 happen yeah. where that movie, it kind of just pushed the tropes as far as they could go yeah. and it broke through. Yeah. And I'm like, it only, it only broke through because it's different. So yeah. I don't know. I, well, I'm curious to see where you end up putting your film and following it. If not, I mean, God, you're talking about when you have a story about the tragedy of being a human, which if we want, this is the perfect time for it because <laughs> what didn't we just, we just put a, a chip in somebody's brain. Like it actually happened. Elon did it. So singularities around the corner. Oh, I was about to say, and, yeah. And probably not the best person to be doing that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel uncomfortable with anybody doing it. It just yeah. seems like, well, think about it. Like we're in a, we're in a time where social media is a platform to let everybody know how individual and special you are. Sure. Yet social media kind of shows you how not different or special you are. Like, Oh, like, absolutely. you know, our human. Yeah. Like there's so many people like, Oh God, in the episode that's going up before this on Tuesday, I had to critique a filmmaker because he, he, he made a found footage film and it, it stars his whole family. <laughs> and my major critique was that dude kind of looked like me. Which came with a lot of baggage of, oh, you're probably a horror fan. You probably like metal music. Your house doesn't really represent that. And if it did, I wouldn't like it anyway because I hate it when indie horror is about people who are horror fans. It's yeah. like a pet peeve. <laughs> so I don't know. It. I mean, even with like gender stuff and like pronouns, like every like it's this struggle to be like a, a unique individual. Yet I feel like if you were if you're going to get into um, what is it called? Oksana, help me with my conspiracy theories. Transhumanism. <laughs> and you think that there are like reptilians pushing us to an anti-biological body. You could, uh, now would be the time. I, yeah. Not, you know, your film is about a, yeah, right, but you made a, a movie about a monster with a um, very human struggle. And my, <laughs> what I want to say to that is how the fuck do you get it in front of Del Toro? Because I feel like he would eat this yeah. shit up. Well, like you, you know, make art for artists, so yeah. I mean, it's it, it's and those are very kind things to say, and you know, um, I, I fuck you, Craig. Look, first off, look, <laughs> I, I don't like you that much that I would lie to you. Y'all make a great, y'all make great art, and I just I have sometimes I do get critiqued that I come on a little heavy, so I'm doing that here. So I apologize. Oh, no, but that's... it's deserving. Well, it's, thank you, but you know me at the same time that I'm gonna be like very like. <laughs> I know. You know, I it's, man, I tell I, you, it's very sweet of you. Like, it's if very. If we ever could, like, someone like noticed us and gave us the money, I'm like, I swear to God, I'll give this planet the weirdest fucking thing you've seen, <laughs> like, and the most elaborate. <laughs> like, I want to make like a species kind of movie, like an erotic thriller that's extremely violent and disgusting and terrifying but also very beautiful and a, very much about the monster and sympathetic to the monster because I, I i don't know i just really love stories that are more sympathetic to the monster than the oh poor human being being murdered um but i'm just yeah. like yeah if guillermo del toro like it's like you want to notice this i don't know i don't know how to get my work out there but maybe something like that will happen it'll be like magic 
I mean, the interesting thing is I think even if you gave us like a million dollars or something to make a movie, it would still look <laughs> like a DPP yeah. film because the funny thing, no. and the thing I was actually very happy about because like, you know, it, and, and I was happy about it, but this also makes you self-conscious because like, you know, I see so many of our colleagues and whatnot shooting in like 4K they they got like teams and these you know they got like the red cameras and you know god knows what and you know um for example i mean we shot elliot on real true uh vhs cameras on vhs tape and what's funny is we shot um return of the neck in on a hacked panasonic gh2 which would have been like uh a, a very high uh, fidelity thing in like 2013 so we're still not using like the the newest stuff but that's just kind of how it goes oh looks like we we lost russell yeah looks like we lost him yeah <laughs> i just got a message from them hold on getting a call from russell i think it's uh let's see if i go speaker what's okay. up hey what's up yeah our internet the power went out and um it came back on immediately and then it's out again so it's currently out. All good. Um, yeah, I mean, this would go up on Thursday. So if we just want to meet again for another to- half hour or whatever, um, later in the week, we could always do that too. Oh All right. my God. Here, you know, Randy, don't complain to this. I'm gonna I'm gonna complain for a minute. I have two, I have fucking three computers hooked up up here. I have a four track, five microphones. Everybody else on this damn podcast is moving out of state. So I'm sitting here considering like, what am I doing with this? And you know what I'm doing with it? It's good quality. So I'm like, yeah, what? we'll keep it. And maybe when people come over, we could still use it even. Now I'm recording on a fucking headset built to play fucking Fortnite on your Xbox, hooked up to a computer with no camera. And again, this, mind you, uh, the interview got cut short. I think I think Randy's going to leave that in the edit where a blackout interrupted the last time we were talking. And now I've made you wait for an hour and a half. I, I believe you. 14 or... Oh, hour 14. and 14 minutes. So, yeah. Only an hour and 14. But y'all are... <laughs> I'm so... God. I'll tell you, like... I don't care about all the like technical waste and shit. Like if I had like work to do, it's whatever. And I, I would know I'd eventually figure it out, but just having y'all waiting was killing me. I was dying here. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, the thing is like, I've been in this situation before. Like I, I definitely, I was just like, yeah, just chill. Yeah. Well, even, even with the blackout, like once the power went out, my first reaction yeah. was, how do I get it back on? And then I'm like, wait, no, it's the power is out for 300,000 people in the Bay Area right now, which is <laughs> an exaggeration. That was the actual number yesterday. I know. Like from tons of people, like, and I guess we were just lucky tucked away in our weird apartment because nothing happened. It was just windy. I mean, good. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> we we live in we we live in like a weird little cul-de-sac that's like right on the edge of a like large like forested area and it's kind it feels a bit more rural than it does like suburban 
And yeah. And uh, what a couple years ago when everybody had blackout problems, we were like an island in the dark and we never had an issue. And I just I knew yesterday I'm like, fuck, it's like karma. It's coming back, like it's paying me for what I owe. Yeah, it's it's, uh, you know, the universe has a way of evening things out. Yeah, well, okay. I'm not gonna waste more of your time with my rambling. Although we did talk about a bunch of fun things that we are not gonna retread here, like uh, TV shows and AI. You know all the the yeah. great keywords that people look for. But I did. I had to get you back on because as somebody who's put on a film fest for eight years and had you be yeah. a part of it every time you could. When we noticed that you guys were putting on a film fest, we're like, why didn't you tell us? And we wanted to like help out. And from what I get right now, it looks like you're doing more of a like curation of short films or something. Can you just like run us through the whole Dimensions Film Fest that you're putting on? Yeah. Well, the thing is, um, I love curating film nights and Craig and I and, and to be honest, they were mainly because I had made a short film and knew that no one was ever going to fucking see it unless I made a program and put things, curated things with it that made sense in the universe I was trying to, like, explore. Dimensions is a show that we held back in 2011 at the ATA, and the theme was consciousness because I'd made a film called Qualia about animal consciousness and puppets. And, uh, and we've also done a couple other uh, irradiated film nights at the ATA and I really enjoyed doing it. And of course, with the premiere of Return of the Neckin, I really specifically wanted to have people in the Bay Area see it because it was all shot here in San Francisco. And so I thought like, I even was like, I don't know, I kind of want to do an annual film festival. I, you know, I'd kind of like to get into that and make it bigger. Not that anything is wrong with the ATA. I fucking love the ATA. But I wanted to make sure no one got turned away at the door because there wasn't space. And I thought, well, let's just bring back Dimensions. And the concept this year will be Monsters. And to me, like, monsters aren't just demons. Like, monsters are the government. Monsters, there's all kinds of monsters. And so it's very subversive. And some people are going to watch the shorts and be like, is this about a monster? And it's like, hell yeah, it's about a monster. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, um, but I had, and I wanted to think of shorts I had either seen already and wanted more people to see them. Um so I programmed some shorts from other filmmakers I've met and enjoyed their work. Um, some local filmmakers who I want wanted to selfishly see their film. I hadn't gotten to go to their show. <laughs> um, but like, for example, the first movie is called Zorglex Alien with Digestive Issues. And I saw that back <laughs> at the Sick and Wrong Festival in 2018. And I've was it made me laugh like sincerely laugh because it's that's what it's about it's really it's, funny it's okay. gross and it's funny and there's other shorts that are you know like a little more of a social commentary um you know or about aliens or you know it's just kind of like a little all over the place and then um of course the premiere of return of the neck because 
I'm not the kind of person, like we were talking about in our other conversation, I'm not assuming this movie is going to get into any film festivals. I'm hoping. Spending money on film festivals, I've already dropped, I don't even want to say how much. It's like, who wants Nothing, right? You know? Yeah. At least this I have control over, and I get to expose, like, give some exposure to other filmmakers I already like. Um, and hopefully make people laugh, make people cry even. I don't know. I just, uh, I hope it's going to list some like various reactions. Cause I know that when I watched all the films, like, well, uh, cherry picking them, I'm just like, I love these. I think other people will love them too. And I hope, um, that we're able to like make this an annual thing and just make it a little bigger every year. Um, because I really do enjoy like, like I said, like curating film nights. And so this was like, brought me a lot of pleasure to put things alongside, like, and of course it's self, all of it, it's selfish. I'm like, <laughs> but honestly, I don't know if it would get into any other festivals in San Francisco and I would be doing myself a disservice by not doing, giving it the best like amount of exposure possible at one of my favorite theaters, you know? Yeah. It's- Did I answer the No, no, you totally did. And it's funny hearing that coming from you because I I know y'all know so much about film and you have such a like interesting taste. And when, when you learn a little bit about the industry of like film fest, you're like, Oh, this is just people like curating cool shit. And then you learn about like kind of the phase you're in that early, that ugly, like hurry up and wait. Because you you pay a bunch of money for people to hopefully watch your movie, and then maybe you'll hear back in like eight months. And yeah, somebody who started a selfish film fest all about in world camera film, like when you have to tell people like, oh yeah, we show movies that are all like the Blair Witch. Like you you realize how uh, narrow of a scope you have. And also, you know, I went in with the pretext thinking we're going to build a community and a culture and we're going to come up with a new vernacular and we're going to we're going to show people how to truly appreciate these films. So, no, you're you're just doing interesting shit. I think I was doing the selfish one, but (laughs) I also I'm excited for you guys because I think I think not only will you all be good at it. But you're the type of people that I would want to attend a film fest run by. Like, um, y'all know Kai over at the Balboa. He does, like, Bigfoot Bonanza and stuff. And it's like, if anybody else was running that, like some corporate dude who was, like, paying his rent off of it, it would th- there would be no reason to go. So. Yeah. Yeah. I. It is a bummer that you. I mean, clearly, we both love the ATA. It's so tiny, though. Yeah, I know. It's 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 got it's, such a great vibe and everything. I love supporting them, and it made me. I felt kind of bad that we weren't screening it there at first, but I thought, again, like I want to. Don't want anyone turned away who worked on the movie or like who has been waiting to see this because they know, they know the pains I've gone through to like try to make this in all the different forms I was originally trying, and it's just like. Um, yeah, that place is awesome. I think, like, I would want to kind of do well, how y- y'all have done, like, um, kind of like a pre-party thing at the ATA. It's, like, a great spot for, for things like that where you can get people together. I think, yeah, the ATA has a lot of warmth. That's yeah. what I really like being there because mm-hmm. there's a palpable history of their involvement in underground cinema, especially San Francisco underground cinema. So you just feel like when you're there, you're in good hands. And like, um, 
you know um and far as far as far as just i i love farah um you know just such a great person and um freaking character yeah we love that dude uh, he's he's amazing and um i mean the other thing too was i mean at the roxy um the thing is is like on top of this film festival you know uh coming out it's just like uh the main actor in our movie it's also her birthday so if we were gonna have it at the ata um she has a lot of friends um she she's definitely extroverted and like yeah i would hate if it was her birthday and then like say some of her friends couldn't get in you know so she was actually the one who's kind of like y'all should really think about the roxy and i and we were kind of like well you know you know, we're like humble. Yeah, you know, we're just like let's. Yeah, I'm always like the let's not get too excited here. <laughs> like, but then like I was trying to like justify the you know renting it, and one of my coworkers was like, "How long have you been working on this movie?" And they're like, "And how long before that were you writing this movie? And how long before that?" And, and I, they were like, "It you deserve to, to like do something." like bigger with it and i thought okay i'm gonna go all out then and and yeah so mentions too it was just basically like yeah i mean we love the roxy and it's you know probably my favorite theater in the city and like i mean even though we have so many great ones yeah uh because i mean i love the belbo and i love the four star and and they all they all have their own vibe and that's what i love about them and um but yeah the roxy felt right and um well, so, and, uh, we screened Elliot there. That's the other thing too is yeah. like yeah it's kind of a, a kind of a homecoming like whenever we have something major like yeah the Roxy feels like the place cuz it was the first place that we ever premiered one of our Elliot was our most ambitious thing we had done up in that point it was as our first feature. So with this it's like it's it's a 21 minute long movie but I mean I personally uh think that it's just realized even far better than Elliot. I mean, like there's, there's just more of a budget that you see, you know, like it was, it was nice to finally like an Elliot, like all the walls are not connected. <laughs> it's just this guy walking, this, you know, that's the thing is it's just like, he's walking through a world and like, there's just hard lines of where these walls are together and it, it works. Cause it's like a spaceship kind of thing, but to make a cave where we just were able to blend all the walls and have no seams and just, just really do that stuff for the first time. It's just like, you know, that's a huge step up from say the production design of Elliot. Yeah. I, I would agree. I actually really liked your color correction in this. I think you've kind of mastered that like full color spectrum. And, you know, I see a lot of people kind of play around with like really vibrant, like saturated colors. And I don't, they can end up looking like really garish and like unattractive. But you had like that spectral look down. Like I love all the like primary color work. And I mean, it's weird that I found myself almost like re-falling in love with that element of your work because I thought Elliot had such a good color palette too. But I think this is clearly better. I think, yeah, I think it's a lot better. I think another thing too is, I mean, you know, Elliot was shot on VHS for a reason. 
And we shot this on, I think this is where we got cut off from the storm, saying we shot this on like a Panasonic, uh, it's a hacked GH2, which is what they used for the movie Upstream Color. And that would have been like, you know, big technology, I guess, uh, whatever, in like 2013. <laughs> but we're still using older older crap. It's true. But it's still higher fidelity stuff. But the thing that really strikes me about it is that it still kind of looks the same as Elliot in a weird way. It's just like it's it's a higher fidelity, but like there is this kind of, you know, grunginess to it that's still there. You wouldn't it doesn't feel like you shot it on some like, you know, higher quality camera, but everything is a lot clearer. And I think, you know, when there's just a lot more color information than you would get on the VHS, the VHS is very hard to work with. Um yeah, but so, yeah. style, though, I felt like Elliot was the perfect pairing for it, where in here, I you know, that aesthetic you're talking about, that kind of grunge, I think it goes back to your handmade, like the fact that everything feels touched. Like you have a lot of characters on screen at one point, and they're sure. of like different eras or like it, they actually felt more like instead of out of time, they felt like like different kind of fantasy incarnations, like, you know, to use a uh, modern vernacular, you know how people in a movie can tend to look like an NPC, like every, yeah. everybody in your film feels fully realized and lived in, in a way that like Hollywood still doesn't get. Like if every character has like unique, like, I don't know, they dress differently or they have just like little characteristics to them. I think that adds yeah. like a vibrance that you don't necessarily it's not cognitive like it just feels more like i don't know like lived in it's just i don't i think that's like a hallmark of your work too oh well thank you and i mean i think i think a big thing is just you know everything that we do is like done with intent because i mean the thing is like oh yeah it's not like there are a lot of we're not the only people using gels but like you know, and I do see other movies, especially like lower budget ones, that just seems like, you know, OK, we're in a hallway and they're just going to slap the pink and teal gels here. Yeah. And like, yeah, it looks cool, but it's just kind of like, but it feels hollow. Well, all or, color choices, um, even in Elliot, all of our projects, the like, colors are chosen, represent like a specific mood or time of day. And with the return of the neck in it. Definitely very much like day has a, a color palette, night has a color palette, and they intertwine. And um, yeah, it all means something, and especially like wanting to create like um, everything is about like feelings uh, in my work. And I feel like Craig's work as well, where it's like I want things to elicit certain, hopefully, certain emotions um, from the viewer. And um, and color has a lot to do with like psychologically how we you know yeah I mean, interpret you, the mood like the, the the colors tell the story just as much as anything else. I mean the way that the color changes throughout Return of the Nekin to reflect certain emotional states of the characters. Um, it was the same thing in Elliot, where like if you watch the movie closely, his break room gets warmer and warmer the the sort of angrier he gets and um so you can't just like throw stuff around for no reason and also it's the same thing with like having the extra villagers and whatnot it's just like you know like yeah you want them to have like a personality and honestly i think that's all cassandra because well, I hope like, they played 
90 percent well you you did play pretty much all of those characters um a little help aaron and anthony yeah we're gonna well i'm giving it away whoever listens to this but they got like Barnaby Jenkins. Guess who that is? That's me. We <laughs> <laughs> just had to make up some names. So like the whole credits weren't Craig and Cassandra and Anthony. And now, you know, it's like, but that's who, you know, did it. Yeah. That's so funny. It's so, okay. Here, brief tangent. If y'all had like an entity, a corporation or private investors, like giving you money, is that something you would change? Like, Cassandra, would you have a bunch of actors that you're dressing up or would you still be on camera? Um, I would probably, my problem is I like to do a lot of things, um, even if it stresses me out. And I like, well, doing the little mask characters, that was fun. Um, like fun things like that. I'd want, I would want to still like have my hands and that. And I think Craig and I've talked about this, like, if I could at some point just have a little extra help with makeup, um, that's like the most stressful oh, thing for me to do. That's very, yeah. I remember the night we were doing the cave scene, like the one thing I would want help with would be like getting a key makeup artist to like do that main work. Cause when you're focusing on making like a, you know, a character, you know, and, and you want them to look really good, but then you're also like, trying to communicate lighting and everything and I feel like we did a really good job, but I, if I had had someone where I could have that taken off my hands and still be in charge of the final look, damn, I want some help. So it's one thing that's definitely worth pointing out with this movie is every time that we put Emily in the neck and makeup, it took nine hours. Yeah. And the person, the only person doing it was Cassandra. And, um, when we did the cave shoot, like we did get help from uh, Nick Suda. Yeah, showed yeah, up. some touch up uh, stuff. It was great. And, um, but, you know, still, Sandra was the most of nine hours. Like he didn't show, or, you know, they didn't show up until uh, pretty much the, the beginning of filming. So, I mean, imagine you're the director and you have all these things that you have to take care of and you, don't even you have to do nine hours of makeup before the day even starts Mm -hmm. that's just incredibly exhausting and then the shoot itself went on for another i think eight hours and (laughs) yeah that was crazy yeah it was like and we you and i and emily had all been there since like noon and we didn't go home until 5 a.m the next day for that shoot and i don't recommend that um but it was it was one of those like we only had the one day you know that's that's how it worked and it was kind of like well it all has to happen and um yeah well i basically i told emily i said okay we can split this up into two shoots and you have to go through the makeup twice or we can have one really long one and she was like no i'll do the long one but boy we were really delirious i swear we only like napped for an hour and a half and we, because we had the, and we got right back yeah, to the studio to go back because we had to clean up and move out, wow. and still shoot God. screen of all those characters. And I remember like just about to have a meltdown, and Craig was like, "We need to go home. Like you're tired." I was like a bait, like a child. I was like, "I'm tired." I, like, I remember. Kind of funny. I, I, you're like, <laughs> yeah, you need to and eat, and I was like, yeah. "I guess." <laughs> well, anyways, I mean, like. Yeah. 
change it for anything. It, it was quite the experience. I just, I just, I wouldn't change it, but I also in the future would very much not like to have, you know, like 27 hour days. <laughs> so how come you don't, was it like, because you couldn't pay them that you didn't have a key makeup artist or you just didn't know anybody out here? Well, believe me, we reached out to people and some people just, I think, got scared. And I understand that because, you know, it's kind of sounds intimidating to be like, but we, we, ne we never asked like, hey, can you come do everything? I just like, hey, I'm going to be doing makeup. I would like a little bit of help. You know, I, I see that you do, you know, like work with, you know, so and so. And we did offer them money. And um, but it just nobody really came through. And um, concept like I'm like, did my concept art scare them away? Like, did it look more complicated than I actually was? Because I tried to tell them like, hey, it's it's not really any different than like, you know, we have all the applications. We just need help putting them on, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, for some reason, like, yeah, and we were offering people a couple hundred dollars, you know, which, you know, isn't much, but it's what we could afford. And um, it just it just no one just didn't work out. And, um, I think that's why I would like, you know, hopefully the next thing we do, we get a big enough of, of a budget so that we can just hire somebody, you know, and actually have like a dedicated makeup person. Cause you know, as much as like it, we love to be hands-on about everything. It's just like, you have so many decisions to make. And the more that you are doing on the set, the less brain power you're going to have, the less sharp you're going to be. And that's when you start making mistakes and fucking up your movie. And, you know, like. And especially on top of all of that, I'm like script supervisor and uh, <laughs> keeping track like, of storyboard. Yeah. And all those things where I'm just kind of like your brain starts feeling spread very thin. And I remember being like, I can't see. And thank God Dave O'Shea was there. And he was like here let me put my flashlight on and then he just knew every time that i would because i was like my brain was like just gonna like cave in on itself with all the things that i was in my head being like don't fuck up don't fuck up don't forget that shot you know and and then someone asks you a question you're like uh-huh <laughs> like and uh and i again i feel like i did well but it was like damn if i could have just had like one person um another me I yeah guess. And the other thing too was we were trying to be mindful about keeping you know not too many people there because it, it was like 2021 2022 i think when we were doing the filming and yeah. so we're in the pandemic and it's just like we're you know you do have that, to keep your crew yeah, that was part of it too. as small as possible yeah. but um and i yeah, just made it up so you're trying really to hard. Quality over quantity crew, and you have Dave O'Shea there. What the hell were you all thinking? You know, I understand that from a distance. You know, he he's, he's comes across a certain way, but he's actually a true DIY soldier. Oh, dude. Um, yeah, he is. Honestly, as far as work ethic, I would put y'all right together. I, how many episodes of fucking Glory Hole has he done, like, alone? Like, <laughs> I know. Like, it's so crazy. But I need to stress and implore that you reach out and tap us in next time you need help, especially contacting people. Because not only will I, f I try and find like a key makeup artist for you, but I'll bully him into doing it. So next time, <laughs> tap me in. 
I mean, I love that shit. Yeah, that's the thing. We're not really bullies. It's just kind of like if people are like, yeah, I can't do it. I'm like, that's cool. Well, you know, I say bully, but the thing is, I think a lot of people have like imposter syndrome, especially up here in the Bay Area, where we don't really have like a we literally don't have a Hollywood industry. If you're doing film work up here, you're working for startups or um, just corporate gigs. And I think a lot of people end up in a loop where they're doing commercial work or just like corporate work. And they didn't get into becoming a cinematographer to do that. They wanted to do creative work, but it's like, fuck, I don't know. And then you get called to duty and you're like, I don't know if I got it. And it's like, fool, you probably are more qualified than most of the people out here actually doing it. You're just not doing it. But that's what I mean. You know, like I do understand that, you know, like it was no hard feelings for anyone who didn't, uh, come through i just like i get it you're stepping into somebody else's world that's really intimidating yeah you know so it's just like you know whatever you know we'll we'll get there eventually but yeah it was just another one where we and you know you do all the makeup and you know i just we're you got another one that we're kind of starting to work on now too and it's going to be like yep there's going to be shit that's going to take time <laughs> so real question for you so every time we get like unique filmmakers and they end up like they just overcome incredible odds to make something one thing that will happen is that maybe somebody will get really interested and want to work with you but they don't want you in a in a director's seat they want special effects work or, you know, like maybe they just really like the audio that you made and they want you to like compose. Uh, would like, would you guys be up to do like crew work as opposed to like, I don't know, helm another creative project? Um, You know, to be honest with you, it's a question I struggle with because like. Uh, when we've tried to collaborate with other people, like it hasn't necessarily always gone well, and mostly it's been with like musicians who just tried to get us for cheap um to do like their music video and you know like oh. i remember one one group was like hey we got 200 dollars. can you basically make us like a bjork ass fucking music video it's just like you know that kind of stuff yeah where i didn't even like do give have a kit fee because they only had 200 dollars. i basically like just depleted my a lot of my makeup to make that budget work and i thought never again however if someone wanted help with like zombie makeup or something and their project seemed cool and i would like my name attached to it like you know it's something i'm like yeah that sounds great um i would totally help with like makeup if it was something that i felt like it could help them succeed in now but are you too much of like an auteur or if like somebody wanted you on their shitty zombie movie could you just like? <laughs> oh, no, totally. No, I would have to really be into the project itself and not. Yeah, because I've someone asked me once, like, "Oh, do you want to help with this?" And it was just like, and I honestly I couldn't help because I I just did not have the time. This was like years ago, um, and then I was really glad that I didn't help because it looked so stupid when it was finished. <laughs> you know, like it was like. I didn't want to, but yeah, I kind of feel like 
our our projects are they're all like our babies and we like spend all this time like um creating different worlds for each project and you know we want to we want to be proud of our children um and yeah it is kind of hard to imagine like just what i love to ditch my day job and make money off of um you know making art with other people it's like sure but i also don't want to get burnt out on they like helping with lighting like the, i don't know yeah, i don't uh, I, I wouldn't want to get a job working on film I, I i like having a day job and then you know doing this but i guess to answer your question like it's something like i think for me i'd be open to if someone wanted me to do some music or something or their movie and again i would have to like the concept or whatever but the other problem is that you know what are they going to want and am i going to actually have because like you know it's easy to do things for your own projects because you know exactly what it needs and you know what you're capable of so it's like it's not something i'm opposed to doing but at the same time i firmly believe the truth of the matter might be that we're only capable of working on our own stuff <laughs> yeah I, you know it's funny that would be such a crazy statement from 99 percent of other people and like yet i totally get it y'all are like i don't know y'all are built to work together and you make crazy shit like saying you know we like to create worlds Man, there are so many filmmakers who I could imagine saying that and you just roll your eyes and be like, bitch, you don't do that. But y'all really do. And, I, you know, the one benefit of working on somebody's shitty zombie movie is you meet other people who are like, oh, they're a real one. And that dude, you know, we'll steal them. But y'all already figured that out. Because if you're going to be fucking curating your own film fest, you could literally pick shorts and be like, uh... Whoever mixed this, we got to meet them. <laughs> you know, you go, yeah. So I, I'm really excited to see um, you two enter the world of like film curation. And I'm excited to go. I hope, I, I hope you all don't sell out that damn Roxy and I can't get in. But I'm assuming you got the big one, right? Yeah, we're doing the big one. And yeah, there's 230 seats. Yeah. I don't think we're going to sell out, dude. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so excited. Um, uh, one of the artists who I've actually met before at Axwoon Film Festival in 2018, um, Catherine Allen and their partner, uh, Daniel Farmer, are coming out from New York um, because um, Catherine operates under Lucretia Grimm and her, her film is Hysteria. And you got to check out their website if you get a chance to go through her Instagram, um, Cat Farm Productions. I feel like her work is so like in it's like a kindred spirit kind of and if she hears this is gonna be like oh either very <laughs> i'll still compliment her on being creepy <laughs> but i love her work so much and um she's working on a trilogy right now and i'm kind of i have two other films in the trilogy of tearful surrender you know return of the neck is one and then there's two more um that I, you know, it's kind of like I can't wait to talk to her more in person because I don't feel like I got to talk to her enough at Axwin. Because uh, I really want to hear more about her struggle and background with trying to get the funding for those projects. Because I feel like that's just a struggle for us filmmakers with interesting, like obscure ideas. Is like, yeah, where do you get the money for that? And yeah, it's like, oh, pocket mostly, and then it just takes years. So 
Anyways, I just when she said she was coming, I was like, oh, my God. So cool. OK, well, we got to wrap this thing up. I've I've stolen yeah, so much yeah. more of your time than I was originally contracted to. And so the only thing I got to know is with your film fest, what what's the like style? What's the vibe you guys are going for? Are you going to be introing every short? Is it kind of like you start it and then everybody hangs out after Are you doing an after party? Yeah, we've got an after party over at Kilowatt. Yeah, so it's really close. It's like basically right across. It's right the across the street, basically. But like, yeah. So the way we're gonna do this is like we're gonna come out and you know introduce it and say thanks for coming out, and then we're just gonna let the films play, and at the end there's gonna be a Q and A with the available filmmakers because there will be a few, and then after that, yes, so we're going to an after party that starts at nine. That's Kind of, it's an after party for the film festival. It's also a birthday celebration for Emily, our main actor. And um, it's going to be a really fun time. I'm going to maybe get drunk because, I mean, like I said, I was going to get wasted after the Elliot premiere, but then I ended up only having like one beer because everyone just wants to talk to you. But like if that happens, that's fine. Too. You got to send people to get you a drink. I think, yeah, I, I'll, I, I, but yeah, anyways, it's time to party at, at nine o'clock. Put it that way. Now, Craig, I don't I don't mean to be rude, but you don't strike me as the type that parties often. Uh, the way that I quote unquote party <laughs> is by merely getting drunk and playing video games. OK, what, what's your particular game? What's your go to right now? You have no idea how many hours of Mario Kart and Mario Party we have played in this household. I think like, Oh my God, it's ridiculous. Uh, so it's almost like, pathetic. I think it's over 600 hours on uh, Mario party. And that doesn't account for the fact that every time a turn goes wrong, we started over because we just want to beat the shit out of the computer. We like give ourselves the biggest um, handicaps and we make sure that we fucking destroy them. And if they get lucky and if they get too lucky, or they get a little free star or something. It's like, Nope, think again, bitch. And then we start it over and we make sure that shit goes right. Okay. Yeah, we're, cra- we're, we're, I don't we're know. Problems over here. <laughs> One, um, we gotta, we gotta have a Mario party party. Uh, Terrell gets freaking angry playing that game so we have we have to do that and he's not particularly great at it either (laughs) but well i understand yeah no the other thing is i always bother you two to make an in-world camera film here's the film just put a camera make it make it a let's play thing and just beat the shit out of the computer i don't even think you would need a traditional story arc and it would be uh captivating so I'm not wasting it. No, I am not wasting anyone's time with that shit. What are you talking about? I see. Come on. How are you at the fucking off every year? And then you don't know what our audience is into. Well, it's not a question of knowing what they're into. It's just that, you know, I can't even there's not one bone in my body that would film that. I, I love that. <laughs> Y'all are the best. When When is the film fest again? It's um, about a week from now. It's Thursday, February 15th at the Roxy Theater. It's from 6.30 p.m. till 8.30 p.m. 
with the after party across the street at Kilowatt at 9 p.m. Thursday, February 15th. Okay. Sorry, I had to mark that on my calendar, literally, so I can try and get a babysitter for that. Because I'm, I'm done. Go. And again, in the future, tap us in. I There's so many shorts that we end up watching that just don't fit the genre, like the narrative specifications that Uff has, that I would love. Actually, are you guys on Film Freeway? Or I imagine you all just curated off of stuff you know. Well, with this, this round, I, I just cherry picked uh, people whose work I really enjoyed, um, and uh, et cetera. Um, eventually, I, um, after this year, considered accepting submissions on Film Freeway after kind of establishing that we want to do it at the Roxy again and have that location. And because uh, it is kind of nice to have films come to you, but I also really enjoy seeking out people I've either met or want to meet yeah. and seeing what they're up to. Yeah. And actually with the next one too, um, Anthony, our uh, long-term collaborator, Anthony Russell, um, he's going to be a big part of it. And uh, he's got a lot of interesting ideas that he kind of wants to do with the festival. And it may not even be called Dimensions anymore, but there's there's a lot of stuff, a lot of interesting stuff. And I think he's got some really neat ideas. So it'll be really fun, you know, to you know talk with him about this, like, you know, after the event. Cool. Well, keep us plugged in because I sure. no matter what y'all are doing, I like to promote it because you always deliver. And I'm excited to be out there at the Roxy with you guys. So. Yeah, cool. I plan on getting Craig drunk, so I'll probably see. <laughs> well, I I appreciate that. You need to. I'm going to be holding you to that. <laughs> well, I love you guys. Thanks for dealing with this shit too. Thank you. Cool. Thanks for. It's all good. Me. Thanks for having us. Are they still in there? Or did it like kick the whole thing out? They're still here. No, I got you on speakerphone. They're hearing you. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I had to warn y'all up top because we never lose power here. Yeah, we never do. And today we just lost it four times in an hour. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Oh fuck. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Oh, fuck. Maybe we should reschedule. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs>